Hey, y'all, do stick around till the end of the show because we do have coverage of the Nothing Compares to You cinematic mix. So check that out in just a little bit. Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad you're back with us today. Today, we're not talking about Exodus. Oh, it's a detour. It is a detour. I feel like we've done this a couple times recently. Well, Uh, when you do a series on 1994-1995 output by Prince, and it lasts, I don't know, (laughs) 16 episodes, (laughs) there's going to be times that you need to uh, have a slight detour like that, we are today for good reason. That's right. For very good reason because Prince Originals came out. So we want to talk about that, but I have a couple of quick housekeeping items that I would like to share with okay. everybody. I don't even know about these, so go ahead. Well, clean you the house. do. You just don't even know you do. Okay. I have another podcast called Killer Fun. You do? Yes. It's about the intersection of crime and entertainment. It's very fun. If you're interested in that at all, do check it out. But Killer Fun has been a part of the Forge Audio Network since the beginning of the year, and I got a chance to meet those guys who run it, Nathan and Jared, and they're just super, super great guys. And after I met them in person and talked to you about it, we decided that the Mountains and the Sea should also join the network. So that doesn't really mean that much for you. It means you'll get to hear promo from another great podcast on the network once during the episode, and that's it. Maybe we'll get some advertisements eventually. We don't have those yet. When we do, this isn't a money-making thing for us. This is, <laughs> this you could say that again. <laughs> this is covering our costs, hopefully, ha. at some point. I still laugh. <laughs> yeah, well, because if we try and cover the costs of all the materials that you've purchased... I think we'll be making this podcast a really long time before we break even. Oh, just all the crap that we sit in front of to even talk. (laughs) That's also true. But if we were doing it for the money, we wouldn't have lasted this long. This is true. This is true. So this is just a way to uh, help support the network and give them some extra download numbers and give us a little bit of money to hopefully cover a little bit of our costs and, and boost you our to, reach and find some more listeners. That's right. And you know, y'all are great, but we might be able to reach people who don't really know that much about Prince this way too. So that's pretty cool. So I just wanted to share that with you. Yay. Yay. It's, it's good stuff. So the other thing is that we're going to do another one second challenge with Josh this summer. It's been a year already. It has been a year already. We Mm -hmm. recorded it July 4th the last year. So we're going to do that again. I'm not positive when that episode is going to come out just yet. We're trying to figure out what the next few episodes hold for us. But if you would like to make a suggestion, you have until Wednesday, June 26th. This is coming out on June 23rd. This episode this, that we're talking about right now. Yes. Originals. Originals is coming yes. out June 23rd. Right. You have until June 26, 2019 to private message me on Facebook at the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast, on Twitter 
at tmats, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or send us an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com with your requests of songs that you might like Josh to try and guess in one second. And the only rules we have about that is it needs to be a studio track that has been officially released in some way. Yeah, you're not going to quiz me on, you know, the 1983-1999 concert in whatever town he was in. Right. With a little snippet that he played. Right, and that yeah. that's not fair. So we're not going to do that. Right. But you and can probably do it because <laughs> we were listening to Head that was posted by The Revolution, a little clip from a concert, and... I'm listening to it. You said, I can tell you the year. It was 1986. And me, I was impressed, but not impressed enough. I said, tell me what city. And he did. But we're not going to do that on the one second challenge. Right. So it's important to private message the podcast yes. because I don't see those. Christy monitor though, monitors those. If you tweet at us or post something on Facebook and tag us or whatever, there's a chance I might even see your suggestion. So right. do the private message or the email thing, and then there's no chance I will see it. That's right. Okay, so that's all the housekeeping. Thank you for sticking with us for five minutes with this housekeeping stuff. Wow. Our and house now, is so clean. <laughs> now we can go ahead and get to the meat, the joy, the fun stuff that we do here on this podcast, which is talk about Prince music. So... Originals. Originals. So as of the time of this recording, the only way to listen to it is streaming on Tidal. Um, So we don't have a physical release just yet, no booklet or liner notes to refer to. So we may have that by the time we release this podcast. So we might addend this episode with a little more information if we're able to get our hands on a physical copy before uh, this podcast releases on June 23rd. The physical release happens on June 21st. It was the first wave of it. There's other things coming too. Right. So if we can, if we can get that prior to the release of this episode, we'll do, we'll tackle a little something on at the end and talk about it. If not, we might record just a quick short Yes. Bonus episode to talk about that. Because also as of now, there's this mysterious, nothing compares to you cinematic mix that is on the, it's exclusive to a physical release at Target. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we can't comment on that just yet. Right. Since it is not June 21st in this reality. (laughs) Yeah. It will be in your reality when you're listening to this, but right. it's not in this reality. Just the we're speaking to you from the right. Past. So, spoiler alert: like <laughs> uh, late night with Stephen Colbert on Friday is actually recorded Thursday, <laughs> and the Mountains in the Sea that releases on June 23rd is actually being recorded on June 16th. <laughs> yes. Oh and man, <laughs> all this, all the mystery has just been revealed. <laughs> the magic is gone. <laughs> No, it's not. We're not doing this live. Nobody thinks we're doing this live. I'm not qu- quite together enough to have all the clips ready to go. No, that's to- not reasonable. <laughs> so here's this release. We've known about it for a couple months since the celebration in April is when it was supposed to be a surprise announcement. They had a little slip up on the estate website and it was uncovered <laughs> before the official announcement, which I think is a little bit of a shame because I think it would be... A very cool surprise to announce something like this there and have it be exclusive to people who have shelled out to be there and then make a, an announcement to the public after. They knew, but it didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, no. they'll, um, they'll do better next time. Right. 
We hope. Right. So this is a collection of 15 songs, not an album by any means, that Prince recorded. It's a hodgepodge collection of tracks that were recorded by other people that we knew he wrote. And we many of these songs, we just assumed there was a Prince vocal version or a guide recorded somewhere. And uh, so this is the current project of the estate. These have been curated by the estate and uh, Jay-Z, who owns, operates Tidal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was sequenced and put into, I would say, a collection. You know, yeah. It's collected and sequenced like an album might be, where you've got a nice mix of ups and downs, slow tracks and fast tracks. But I don't think you should really consider this a Prince album. It was never something he recorded. Right. It wasn't a start to finish no. thought Bubble. filled. Yeah. yeah. He mm-hmm. wasn't trying to make a statement with these things. This is yeah. a compilation, yeah. which it kind of fits. Hey. His last two albums were pretty much compilations. Yes, but they were curated by him into groups true. of things that he felt made a cohesive album. I would say that's true of the last 20 years of his career. Mm, that's fair. But hey, I like casseroles. <laughs> yeah. We eat a lot of casseroles in our house. We I'm do. so glad the kids will finally eat casseroles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to cover this up top, even though, what are we now, 10 minutes into this thing? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of discussion from Prince enthusiasts and collectors and those in the know, especially elite collectors, about this collection of songs and how authentic they really are, how much overdubbing was done or how much tweaking was done to them by uh, the estate, particularly Michael Howe, who was in charge of putting this together and who's the curator for the estate. My take on it, and I'll see if you have thoughts on it, mm-hmm. is just that Prince said many times over the years, especially towards the end of his life, that most of the circulating bootleg material of his studio tracks are not finished pieces of work. And that's what disappointed him the most over it. He right. thought, you know, fans sharing them, that's fine. Obviously, people selling them uh, was something not he cool. didn't appreciate. Um, but it, a lot of these were his sketches in many cases. And I think a lot of fans might prefer the original sketches to further tinkering, even by Prince himself, because sometimes he could, um, you know, record something that was very simple and then add to it and keep tinkering with it to the detriment of the song. Yeah. Perhaps at times. Kind of like when you put opinion. too much paint on a picture, sometimes yeah. you take away its charm. Exactly. So if you're the estate who's entrusted to do what's right, and essentially the estate is run by a bunch of bankers and lawyers right now who are not musicians and are not in the music industry, probably feel very obligated to put whatever finishing touches might seem required before dropping these songs onto a very public release. Um, So if this was like a subscription site for hardcore fans, then I would think you know, the rawness of Prince's original material might be a great choice. But for me, I think that they've done a great job of putting hits and deep cuts together in a 15-song configuration that does kind of sound like an album. It's a nice experience to listen to. But none of these were really meant to ever appear together, and we all know that. But none of them sound fake. None of them sound clipped together. Um, it sounds original yeah, to me. Um, there's a lot of discussion over the mixing of the and the mastering of the songs that they're brick walled and part of the loudness wars, especially if you listen to these songs back to back with the Originals. recordings from other the, artists. Yes. This is a loud, loud mastering. I did notice that. Um, I would have to turn up the when I listen to the 
artist track that yeah. had released it. Right. Had to turn it up. Had to turn it down a little bit to... Oh, yes. There was there was no sweet spot from no. these. That is my only real complaint. Otherwise, if you told me we were going to get one of these every other year in Originals Volume 2 and maybe some deluxe versions of albums until the estate can get its act together and release uh, material that we know is new, that are finished, complete albums, right? Um, then I'm totally cool with it. Right, me too. At this point, what the estate releases is the official version, and there's uh, you can argue it if you want, but that's what reality is. Right, right. And I think it commercially... It's fine to get these a little more finished. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's fine. We isn't what we all really want is for people to hear Prince music, and your average layperson who's not a huge Prince fan isn't going to listen to sketches and it, appreciate them for what they are. They're going to end up. They want a more finished song that they can listen to, that they can sing along with in their car, that they can dance to, that they can play at parties. Yes. And it's a tough thing to do. It seems like they're focused, they being the estate, they're definitely focused on prime popular period for Prince being like between 80 and 90. Right. um, Which is a little unfortunate. However, it does like take the first three tracks of this album. And if you know anything about Prince at all, and even if you don't, but you grew up listening to the radio in the 80s, then it's easy to get yourself into these right. tracks that's and fair. sing along. Yeah. And that's cool. Yes. And even if there were they were more sketch-like, I think what we can see from this and learn from this release is that Prince really did have a vision mm-hmm. for every single one of these songs that he gave away. Yes. That he... True. Even if he didn't have it quite complete yet, he had a complete vision for every single one of these songs, which is just amazing because here's 15 songs that he gave away. Yeah. They're by and large great. I mean, you can't, there's not a lot of artists that have 15 really good songs in their catalog, period. Yeah, and here are 15 that he didn't even bother keeping for himself. Yeah, he gave away. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So rant over, I guess. (laughs) So for this episode that we're doing today, we listened to the originals version, the one done by Prince that's now an official release. Yes. And we also listened to the release by the artist that he gave it to. So we're kind of listening for similarities, differences. How did they change it? What kind of influence did he have over their recording of it? So that's kind of what we're talking about. So let's, shall we start? We should, because okay. it's uh, getting late. <laughs> House is going to be cleaning again pretty soon. <laughs> All right. So the very first song is Sex Shooter yes. by Apollonia 6. Came from their 1984 self-titled album, Was In Purple Rain. Yes. Was originally for Vanity 6 until Vanity left the band. Then it became Apollonia 6, so Apollonia 6 sang it. Right. So the original's version, Prince's version on this disc is 3 minutes and 6 seconds long. The version on the Apollonia 6 album is 3 minutes and 43 seconds long, so it's Mm -hmm. a little bit longer on the album. Um, The Apollonia 6 version has more instrumentation towards the end, and it also runs into the next song on the track. (laughs) 
uh-huh. where Prince's version fades out. Right. So it's a little bit shorter. Um, I think this is kind of, you could see this as one of many holy grails of Prince vocal tracks. Um, this this was circulating in different shapes and forms, never in this kind of quality with Prince's vocals on it. Right. Um, I think you could say that lines like, come on, kiss the gun, come on, kiss the gun. <laughs> could be more from a male perspective uh, yeah. anyway, so it almost fits just as well with Prince singing in a falsetto than yeah. Apollonia 6 singing it as females. Right, yeah. There was a post on Prince.org. I wish I could credit it. I don't remember who posted it, but it was on a discussion of this album. And the post was something like they, sh- they could have just called this collection Portraits of Pronoun Courage. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times he sings lines like, you know, come on, kiss the gun. Makes yeah. sense in a song called Sex Shooter sung by a man. However, when he sings like, no girl's body can compete with mine. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's sort of made for a woman to sing. Yeah, but it has very uh, yeah those, the, gender fluid yeah. sort of the meaning there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I thought this was a terrific start to the album. It sounds great. You think this yeah. thing has been sitting around on a tape in a somewhat climate conditioned <laughs> room in the uh-huh. basement of a Minnesota complex. And wasn't even created there. So who knows where it sat for right. five years before it was moved into the vault right. at Paisley Park. The fact that it existed at all for us to hear is almost, this is like track one miracle. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was listening to the Apollonia 6 version of it. And I didn't realize how much you can hear Prince. singing in the background until I was listening to it with headphones. Yeah. Yeah. He's buried, but he's absolutely there. And I, I really love at the minute 18 section on Prince's version, the way he says shooter, Shooter. he says Mm -hmm. it in his speaking voice. Uh And I just, I loved it. It was just something special. It was one of those little Easter eggs. Yeah. There's part of his delivery on almost all of these tracks that are just uniquely him and make them special. Yeah. I mean, at least in parts more special than the version that everyone is familiar with as sung or performed by another artist. Right. This starts my theory that the more control that Prince had over the band, the closer his version is to the released version. Yeah. And this one, you would say, musically... Completely identical. Oh, yeah, he except was for the, what he added later. Yeah, yeah, he was the lord of the manor. They, these ladies did nothing unless it was under his direction, yeah. essentially. And I am I bet that he had them do it again and again and again until they had it the way he wanted it. Well, and then in the movie Purple Rain, you see that it's Morris's girls group, and he directs them in a way that Prince probably did. Uh-huh. And there's lines in it where he says, I want to see some booties wiggling. I want some perfection. <laughs> you get the sense that yeah. that's not the first time they've heard it, just not from that person. <laughs> yeah. So not only did he play every instrument on this track and then gave it to a girls group to record and then let another one of his directed groups in the time sort of own it in the movie. And it's part of... 
you know, there's really three albums from Purple Rain that are the soundtrack. There's Prince's, there's The Times, Ice Cream Castle, and then there's the Apollonia 6 album that all come together to make the soundtrack for this movie. Yep. And this was one of the features. So speaking of Ice Cream Castle, mm-hmm. also from 1984, the second song is Jungle Love by nice. The Time. Segway. Correct. <laughs> Yay. It obviously was in Purple Rain. It also kind of got a bump in 2001 right. because Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back used it with Morris Day and The Time playing yeah. it over the credits. So yes. it's very, it's so fun to watch and see. It's just, you know, Jay says the best group ever, you know, talking yeah. about the time. And it's really sweet and endearing and worth checking out. For sure. So this is an interesting one because this is not a song completely written by Prince for the time. One of the members of the time, Jesse Johnson, wrote the music for this mm-hmm. and brought it to Prince. Prince loved it um, and then took it and wrote these lyrics to go along with it. So uh, when Jesse left the time his credits were removed that breakup has been we've covered that on previous podcasts so the times version includes Morris Day's call outs for Jesse hey, Jesse mm-hmm. now Jerome now Jerome you know and Jesse give me one of them sexy solos <laughs> that's not part of Prince's version. Uh, right. Include there's not even a guitar solo in Prince's version right. at all. The version on Originals is 3 minutes and 4 seconds and the version on Ice Cream Castles is 5 minutes and 33 seconds. So there's a good two and a half minutes of additional stuff going on towards the end of the Times version that's not in yeah. Prince's version. Yeah, and I'm sure that that was intentional. It kind of felt like he was getting it out there this is the way I'd like it performed. And then they added more stuff to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was clearly sung by Prince here with Morris Day in mind to take over and do his thing with it. Because we've got the jungle call at the beginning, but with additional laughter. (laughs) Prince is laughing at the beginning. You can tell he's having a good time. Uh I would say almost identical music with the, as the times version. Just yeah. the Times version's a little bit longer. Yeah. And the additional guitar stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this will always be the Wizard of Oz song to me. Oh, yes. It's the oh wee oh wee oh Because that was the chant of the um, yep. witches marching men. I think it was oh wee oh Yes. Oh. So but, I don't want to be Vanilla Ice on you, but I, they did change it a little bit. It still sounds like it to me. Thank you. It does sound like it. So on Prince's version, um, at like the one minute and 22 second spot, there's a typical Prince (laughs) little call out thing before he mimics Morris and he says, come on, baby, where's your guts? Yeah. You want to make love or what? Come on, baby, where's your guts? You want to make love or what? And he's a little more of a creeper in that version than yeah. even Morris is in his version. But it's kind of played kind of drunk. A little bit. It's, I thought it was really funny. Then I read that uh, this is one of the first times that Prince calls out, or Prince does the Morris call, somebody bring me a mirror. Oh, yeah. And he, somebody bring me a mirror. He was 
really making fun of Morris Day and yeah. his vanity in this, and Morris took it and like embraced it and made it uh-huh. his thing. And was yeah. like, yeah, oh, I mean, that's it was cool. Let's wild do it. And loose. Yes. Yeah. So that was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't realize that whole thing originated with a prince <laughs> making fun of Morris, and that Morris was funny. You know, yeah, had the confidence to take it and make it part of the shtick, and they're still doing it today yeah. on, on yeah. stage. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then speaking of that's good, he says that at the end, Prince does at the end of his version. That's good. We can quit. Quit now. Get the hell out of here. Right. That's good. Quit now. Quit. Let's get the hell out of here. It's it's so funny. And it's like him just being done, but also having a good time, but Mm -hmm. also making fun of Morris. Yes. I had also missed the lyric um, until I heard Prince's version and started listening to them both back to back. The lyric of, I think, I think I want to file my nails. nails (laughs) Yes. I had never heard it that way. I didn't never even occurred to me to think, what are they saying? But there's another sign of, you know, I I can do this while I just do the most mundane, mundane things Mm -hmm. like file my nails. Yeah. I'm going to sing this song and I'm going to file my nails because... Personal grooming's very important. That's right. Bring me a mirror. So I would say, you know, we aren't really comparing like who did it better, but I would say that Morris Day and the Times version is still to me like the definitive. It just fits their personality. Yeah. They owned it. It's great to have Prince's version. and Oh, I think it's super fun. But that one felt very much like a sketch to me, Mm -hmm. like at least vocally. Okay. Like this is kind of how I want you to do it. Obviously, Prince had some trust in Morris Day. Oh, yeah. To, like, take things and do it his own way that was still, quote-unquote, the right way. Right. Yeah. Then we have Manic Monday by The Bangles from their 1986 album, Different Light. Right. Yep. Um, It was kept from being number one on the Billboard Hot 100 by another Prince song, Kiss. He hit blocked himself. <laughs> yeah. It was credited to Christopher. Right. For the, writing credit. Yes. Yes. As in Christopher Tracy. Yes. The character Prince played in Under the Cherry Moon. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have covered this before. Right. We covered it as part of our um, series regarding Around the World in a Day. Yep. The latest artist episode that came out in September of 2018. This was the first album that I bought for myself. I bought a tape. Oh, oh, the Bangles. The Bangles. Yes, I bought it for myself, and uh-huh. so it did. It come from little... Columbia Music Club. No, it did not. I think I bought it at the Air Force Base. Yeah, okay. But I didn't get involved in Columbia Music until a little later. <laughs> involved or entailed? <laughs> entangled. Entangled. That is a good way to put it. So my first listen to this, um, obviously Susanna Hoff sang it lead for the Bengals and has a very high, unique voice. Prince sings it, especially after hearing Sex Shooter. Mm-hmm. I expected to hear this Prince singing in his falsetto. Yeah. And it's no. the complete opposite. Yeah. So this took a number of listens for me to kind of almost accept and get into. <laughs> Not that I couldn't accept it, but I'm like, okay, now... Now I can appreciate it. On first listen, it was just a little jarring to me. I had not heard it sung by him. There's the Apollonia has a version of this. This is who the song was meant for. Originally, That's been circulating on bootlegs for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So again, hearing 
the Bengals version and the version with Apollonia singing, and then you get to this Prince version, and it has this baritone vocal track is surprising. Right. Very surprising. Right. The Bengals re-recorded it entirely, music, vocals, everything. There are some synths or something that's credited to him. There was a oh, very really? small portion of the music that they yeah. kept the, from Prince's music, but oh, they did okay. re-record it completely. So they happened to be both at Sunset Sound yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. They asked Prince for a song, and he gave them two, um, and this one is the one that made made the cut. Which is pretty cool. I understand that he was not super happy with the fact that they re-recorded nearly everything. Yeah, somebody. That he wished that they had used more of the... His original. His original music mm-hmm. instrumentation portion. Yep, but again, control, I guess he had given it to them, so he right. wasn't going to then say, yeah. you know what? Give it back. Right. You know, they were a band. They were a girl group on their own. Yeah. Not under A successful girl group on their own. Before him. Yes. And after him. Yes. Um, The one thing I was going to mention on the vocals that I forgot to say, with Prince singing his baritone or his lower register, it makes a little sense, after I started doing some more reading about this, that it was meant to be a duet between he and Apollonia. And it does kind of have a little take me with you Okay. Sound yeah, to it. Yeah, that's fair. So it would make sense that Apollonia would be singing the higher parts. And right. And he would do the parts that she okay. couldn't reach. So maybe that's why his vocals well, were the way they were. Right. Well, that makes more sense, too, because there was a little portion where he kind of had an affect to his voice mm-hmm. that sounded a little bit more feminine. It was still deep, but a little bit more feminine. Okay. Since the clock already, I was just in the middle of a dream. I was a little confused by that. And that also makes sense because he says at the beginning, I was kissing Valentino by uh-huh. Crystal Blue Italian Stream. That's obviously Portraits a man. and Pronoun Courage. Yes. yes. <laughs> I was kissing Valentino by a Crystal Blue Italian Stream. That's obviously a man, but later on he changes yes. the pronoun. Yes. She tells me in her bedroom voice. Right. So now that you bring that up, that it was Apollonia and Prince. Yeah, some parts uh, might have been heard. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the the part that you just mentioned, um, the bridge of the song, is my favorite part of Prince's version. The part when he sings, out of all nights, why did my lover have to pick last night to get down? Uh Uh-huh. It takes the song in a new direction to me, and it's it is different than the Bengals version. Right. I just thought that whole part, the bridge part of Prince's version, is the highlight of mm. his version of Manic Monday. To okay. Me. Well, it has to be said, I still prefer my your misheard Bengals version, my oh, misheard your... lyrics version. Okay. Which you can hear all about in our other episode, but it doesn't have anything to do with employment being down. Oh, it has to yes. do with visiting a vocalist. <laughs> I still, I will sing it my way forever, all and right. be sad that I can't tell Prince that I wish that 
He'd done it a little different. So without revealing what Christy <laughs> thinks, the her misheard lyrics, go back and listen to our Around the World in a Day episode from September of 2018. Yes. And you can get our full take on the Bangle yeah. version of Manic Monday. I don't need to go into all that. but Very good. It's worth it. So, noon rendezvous. This is where it. I feel like they sequenced this thing, originals, into the form of an album. We've got three kind of pop songs and songs uh-huh. that a lot of people will be familiar with before we turn it into a new direction and have a ballad. Right. Not only a ballad, but I would call this a deeper cut from Prince's catalog. Absolutely. It's certainly released by Sheila E., on an album that had a popular song on it, but this was not one of the more popular ones. It came from 1985's The Glamorous Life. Right. We're talking about Noon Rendezvous. Did we say the name of the track? I think we did, but okay. it's worth well, saying again. Noon again. Rendezvous. Right. So Sheila's version obviously has been released since 1985. Yes. And Prince's version, this version in particular, not in circulation at all, to my knowledge, outside of a birthday concert of his at First Avenue in mm-hmm. 1984, where he performed the song, and it's performed with the drum line from When Doves Cry. Very, very similar to When Doves Cry. Okay. And he does a call out at the beginning of the song after it goes on for a few measures and says, the song's dedicated to... That little girl over there. (laughs) That Sheila E. Dame. This next song dedicates that little girl over there. That Sheila E. Dame. (laughs) (laughs) And then he sings the song to her and... um, Or to the crowd. To her. Um, But it was certainly written for her, about her... Yes. About their love for one yeah. another at the time, which yeah. I thought is really cool. But there is a part at the end of the song of the live performance that okay. I think every... It's the New Masters is well, what I have it listed as. Well, I think that's the version I shared with you. Yeah. But it's from uh, a bootleg called From the Soundboard, First Avenue, 1984 is where okay. it is. This was more of a curated collection that I gave to you. Um, and a little edited down also. Okay. Edited down to nine minutes and two yep. seconds? Yep. Anyway. All right. The end of the song has a refrain, sitting at this cafe waiting for my baby. That they sing over and over again that uh-huh. everyone just completely loves. And I think when people heard that Noon Rendezvous was going to be on this collection, there was just oh my God, are we going to get it in the studio, a studio <laughs> version that has this? And uh, we didn't get it either. It doesn't exist or was never part of the studio version of the song. So who, na- who knows if that was just improvised on yeah. stage at that point or, or what it was. So Prince's version is more of like this classical piano. Yeah, it sounds really intimate. There's a lot of acapella vocals mm-hmm. where Sheila E's version starts with music. Right, yes. She's just really... She's a great vocalist yeah, as well. Yeah, that was my other comment was I thought that Sheila, when you compare the two, you know, Princess is, is more raw and sounds more exposed uh, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And Sheila's version sounds just more beautiful to me. Her Sung by a woman. I think it works totally, and I thought it was impressive to listen to her version 
when you hear kind of what she was up against with yeah. Prince's version, yeah. which has got a different kind of haunting beauty to mm-hmm. it. I wonder how confident she was that she could pull off the vocals. Aww. She was known as a drummer right. and a percussionist, but plays guitar and many other instruments. But I don't know. I just It'd be cool to know what was going through her yeah. head in the studio, knowing, yeah. wow, this version that Prince has recorded for me is this beautiful thing, and now I'm going to make my own yeah. take on it. Well, and no I wonder, pressure. so there was just like hint of a drum in the background in Prince's version. I've been wondering what to wear. And I wonder how intentional that was because he knew she was a drummer and was trying to give her the space to really like make it her own. Yeah. I hope so. That's, that's my head yeah. cannon. You add the drums to it. Yeah. Almost. You, I yeah. like, here's the basic beat. Mm-hmm. Here's the very basic. That was his sketch there. And he gave her the vocals and the piano. And then she got to do what she does best, yeah. which is drumming though. Her vocals were amazing. They were excellent. The little drum part that you can hear in Prince's version, you can also hear that effect in Purple Rain, when Prince is kind of seducing Apollonia in huh. his bedroom in the basement of his parents' house. Uh-huh. Uh, that's kind of repeated in the background, and then he kind of scares her with a kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I think if you've seen Purple Rain 150 times, you'll uh-huh. recognize that little drum effect cool so yeah cool then we have another song for prince's protégés vanity sixes makeup from their 1982 self-titled album which we covered on our vanity six episode which was called how many nipples and it was released in march of 2019 and let me tell you I have had people tell me they they're like, oh, I don't care about the related artists. I don't want to listen to those episodes. The yeah. Vanity Six episode, if you check out one related artist video or one related artist episode, let that be it. Because I love this album and it was I thought that episode was really fun. <laughs> I had a really good time with it. So. Well, I don't know what any of your problem is. <laughs> Because uh, I enjoyed the more I listened to Vanity Six, thanks to that episode, and we covered it when we were talking about the 1999 album era. Uh, the more I came to like it because I hadn't listened to it in so long, and this album originals now makes me appreciate it even more because yeah. it, it just confirms the fact that the basically the only person playing instruments on the entire album <laughs> yeah. is Prince, yeah. and all these ladies are doing are mimicking. mimicking what he did. Yeah. So there's a 12-second difference between Prince's version and the Vanity Six version, Vanity Six's being a little bit longer. But that can be completely attributed to more of a build-up to the song at the beginning on Vanity Six version. I remember specifically saying in our episode from March of 2019 that the beginning of Makeup almost sounds like a song called Purple Music. Oh, yes. And yes. Uh, it's just the drums that are happening uh, at the beginning of Vanity Six's version, and the version on Originals has the synths and bass guitar in it right away. Right. And it's the connection there to Purple Music is a little less strong. Yeah. I thought that 
Prince's guide is very, very closely followed. Again, he had complete control over this. This was his project. But I thought there was one fun lyrical difference, and that being, um, you know, you mentioned a lyric earlier where Prince said a word and you thought it was just kind of cute. The way he says comb, when he says (laughs) comb hair, don't care. I hate to comb my hair. Comb hair. Uh-huh. It's like a question when he says comb. It's got this <laughs> little thing on the end that I really thought was really interesting. Where on Vanity Six's version, she says comb hair. Don't care. I always comb my mm-hmm. hair. So. Comb hair. Don't care. I always comb my hair. Prince yeah. hates to. She loves to. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. It's a- I mean, it means nothing, but it is interesting. I, I mean, I know that as well. I did thought you? it was interesting. Oh, no. Did yes. I steal your makeup no, thunder? No, no, it's fine. Because I actually have a little makeup thunder. Okay. Actually, it's not makeup thunder. It's just I like the way he delivered the last set of lines. Uh-huh. Smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready yet. Smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready yet. So she says it, and it's like... Sit down and do it. I'll be with you in a second. Smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready yet. Uh-huh. And the way Prince says it, it's like there's a period after every word. Right. Smoke a cigarette. I'm not ready yet. Yeah, like he's I'll let like, you know when I'm ready. I'm in control, and I'll let you know when I'm done. Yes. We're not leaving until I am ready. Yes. Yeah. And I loved it. Loved it. I know this was not one of your favorite songs from Vanity Six. You didn't have a lot that you loved from Vanity (laughs) Six, but. I loved the episode we made on it. (laughs) I don't know. If you had never heard the Vanity Six album and had been handed this disc, I would have been like, whoa, there is this poetry slam, Lindrum, Purple Rain sounding spoken word thing that Prince did called makeup and it's just totally awesome. Yeah. I love I'm, it. I much prefer Prince's version. You do? I do. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to take a real quick break and we'll be right back with the rest of our coverage of this amazing album. Are you looking for a review of terrible horror movies without an obnoxious scene-by-scene breakdown? We cover the synopsis, each kill, and ridiculous moments that the worst streaming horror has to offer. Join Jared, Nick, and Nathan every other Wednesday as they watch bad horror movies so you don't have to. We're We're the the Spoop Spoop Squad. Squad! Let us haunt your phone or other streaming device. All right. Thank you for sticking with us through that quick break. Now we're back. Next, we have 100 miles per hour, 100 MPH by Maserati from their 1986 self-titled album. Also known as 100 oomph. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) I was confused for a second. Yes, now I get it. So this one, there's a huge discrepancy in the length of what we have on originals at 3 minutes and 31 seconds compared to the Maserati version, which is like 7 minutes and 20-something seconds. So about 4 minutes more on Maserati's version than Prince's version. 
According to Prince Vault, Prince's version is mostly performed by him and him alone and specifically meant for Maserati. And this I was their sole commercial hit. Yes. Um, they were an act that was kind of managed by Brown Mark, Prince's bassist in the revolution. Mm-hmm. And everything I've read says that Prince was encouraging and really wanted this to be a success and wrote the song for them. Right. Actually gave them the song Susanna's Pajamas, which is an instrumental from the Family's album in 1985, and took it back for the Family's album and then wrote this and recorded this specifically for Maserati, which is very, very cool. Yes. You tell me why it is that you can hear Prince's count-in on the Maserati version. One, two, three. It's his voice in their version. Interesting. Um, and Maserati's album is criminally out of print. Yes. It is nowhere to be found. You can't stream it. You can't find it new. You can find it used or hunt it down yeah. using other means, essentially. Right. You should check your local Goodwill or a local Goodwill website. I bet you mm-hmm. can get your hands on a copy. Yes. Or Amazon. Surprisingly, a lot of the used albums on Amazon are sold by Goodwills all over the nation. Yes. I bought them from there. It worked well. Yes. This is very cool. This is a fun and funky song. You have, this is a, probably one song. of the oldest bootleg studio recordings that you have a relationship with because it was one of your favorites that yeah. when we first started dating, I don't know, I think you just were attracted to it for some reason. Yeah. Because it's funky. I was going to ask why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was attracted to the boy who had the music. <laughs> so it's almost like a single edit of the song that's on originals. Yeah. Um, it it's, was a lot. it's a little confusing why there's not more of it than three minutes and 30 seconds. It's, uh, you know, shorter than a radio single. Yeah. Maserati's version has some little Easter eggs in it where the lyric cool is said and then they play some of the times cool. There's a little keyboard line from it. Uh, In their version, and that's way past where Prince's version fades out, but this is, like you said, fun and funky and some of the more creative lyrics that are on this collection of songs. Yeah. And how they're delivered with this up-down kind of tempo is very unique. Yeah. Unique in a Prince song. I think it's fun. I like the um, breathing that Prince Mm -hmm. does in his version. (sighs) Yeah, it's really, like, sexual in a very Mm -hmm. interesting way that is absent from Maserati's version. They have a lot of cool stuff. There's some really cool guitars. There's a series of screams in Maserati's version. Like sampled like screams. Every like every right? five seconds yep. for a little while. Yeah. They seem like that they sound like they're pulled from a bank of screaming man samples. Yeah, but they're they're fun. They do fit. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of stuff isn't part of Prince's version. Mm-hmm. The version that was circulating Prince's version of 100 miles per hour did not include a lot of the guitar work that's featured at the beginning of it, well, throughout his version, but really at the beginning before his first verse even starts, there's guitar work. Right. 
I had not heard before. Oh, okay. So that was kind of surprising and yeah, fun. Yeah, that was good. And then there's some guitars in the right channel, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. at a minute and ten-ish. I can hear them. Um, They're spectacular. Especially when you think that's all one guy. Yeah. Drums, bass. Keyboards, guitar. Yeah, all of it. It's all him. Yeah. I thought his sounded a little more psychedelic, too. Oh, and Maserati's more kind of popish? More more just like funk, Uh whereas Prince's is a little more psychedelic. Gotcha. Just a a different take on it. And it's interesting to see how how much difference he had. Makes me think he he had maybe a little less control over Maserati than certainly... Well, I mean... It would be hard for him to have more control over a group than he had of Vanity Six. True, and Apollonia Six. Yeah. There, you should look up the lyrics for this song. Um, I have just kind of always hummed along with it. I've right. never really sat down and read the lyrics, but even the first verse is so fun. There's a fairy tale that says, Once upon a time, funky music belonged to people who drank cheap wine. Yeah. lot to say about this lyrically, but I'm sure we're going to cover it mm-hmm. properly at some point. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to save all my save thoughts for thoughts. that. Okay. So that sounds good. Yeah. So um, if you're not familiar with Maserati, Maserati was also given the song Kiss by Prince, <laughs> and it was kind of just this bluesy demo that Prince had recorded. He showed up at the studio to hear what they were up to, heard their version, and immediately took it back yeah. Sorry. and reworked it overnight and uh-huh. put his lyrics on top of it, but kept their background vocals on his release version. And he even calls them out in the song. There's a part where he says Maserati. So he gave them credit for contributions. But, you know, he's one who has giveth and taketh from Maserati yeah. in the past. All right. Then we're going to move on. So Kenny Rogers. Kenny. Yeah. Kenny Rogers Roasters? <laughs> um, if you're a Seinfeld fan, yes. Uh, if you're a easy listening borderline country fan from the 70s and 80s, you would know Kenny Rogers as the man who sang You're My Love on his 1986 album, They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Right, and also with background vocals by El DeBarge. Which I did oh. not know on the Kenny Rogers version, all the background vocals are sung by Elda Barge. I did not know that. So there is a weird mixture of <laughs> yeah. artists contributing <laughs> here. It was credited, the writing was credited to Joey Coco. Kenny Rogers said that he'd wished he'd used more of Prince's track that he had given him originally. It was not written specifically for Kenny Rogers. It's left over from 1982 and was perhaps intended at one point for the family. And it was not a single from Kenny Rogers. Right. It's an album track. I thought this was the first version of a song, or it's the first song on this collection being originals that sounds like it's from a completely different generation of music. 
That's very true. Because uh, whereas a lot of it's pop and funk, this really sounds like late 70s, early 80s listening, easy listening yeah, type of music. It could have appeared on one of Prince's first two albums and kind of fit in had he sung it in his falsetto. It sounds like on his version that we have here that he's almost working on singing in a lower register. Oh, that's fair. You want to know Go, does go up in uh, his voice, you know, hits higher levels, falsetto levels, and some points during this song, but most of it is sort of speak sung. Yeah. Um, and almost sounds like it hurts a little bit. Yeah, in his deep voice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, however, nothing uh, on Prince's version compares to the pain of listening to <laughs> Kenny Rogers' version. I thought there, there's like a bell synthesizer sound. In Kenny Rogers' version, that's so dated. I think it was dated when it came out. <laughs> that Yeah, I had a note that Prince's version, it sounds like an older song. Kenny's version sounds badly dated. It's, and covered, <laughs> sounds like a song for old people uh, oh, instead man, of an old it's song. So, <laughs> it's full of saccharin and like, oh. uh, so sugary. I thought it had, Kenny's version sounds like the theme to an early 80s sitcom. Yeah, it's fair. It was like, I hear this and I'm like, oh, it's Ricky Schroeder starring in Silver Spoons, colon, You're My Love. Uh-huh. That's what it sounds like to me. And I <laughs> like these cuts of people smiling and looking into the camera and winking at you. And it just, it makes uh-huh. me almost nauseous to listen to it. <laughs> well, we can talk a little bit about the lyrics here because sure. um, I don't ever need to cover this again. Oh, okay. So <laughs> You don't want to go back and listen to Kenny Rogers' no, later on? No, I really don't. Uh, okay. You want to know what I see in you? I can't really say for sure. Not what you does this make me look fat? Oh uh, yeah. Let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a question that men should always answer with no, or anybody should answer with no. If somebody asks you if they look fat in something, you should always say no. Yeah. True. But so had he if res- you don't want to hear the the answer to <laughs> yeah, that, you shouldn't ask it. Very true. Yeah. Uh, there's no good way to answer that question. No, there's me. really not. But yeah, to come back, this was before I think Prince understood the mind games to play and understood more what, in his mind, make women happy to hear. Yeah. Because that is not it. No. Had he left out. I don't know what I see in you, but I love you. However, he follows it up with, all I know is yada, yada, yada. That would have been a better answer to immediately. Right. You want to know what I see in you. All I can tell you is la da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, not the, I can't, I, I, uh-uh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I see in you. I can't say for sure. I don't know. You just have a certain je ne sais quoi. There's no, something even about saying you it in I French like. is not yeah. nice. Yeah, it is a simple song, uh-huh. without a doubt, and very simple lyrics. Right. In Kenny Rogers' version, he says, seasons changing faster than they do when we were young. Seasons change 
which I oh. thought was kind of an interesting phrasing. It kind of reminded oh. me of Bernhoff, yeah, who's with, not a native English speaker. It's yeah. a second language. You totally know what he's saying, but doesn't quite say yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's just an right. interesting yeah. phrasing. So I tried to find like something positive to say about that. I thought that was an interesting <laughs> Prince's phrasing. Prince's version says, faster than they did yes. when we were young. Seasons changing faster than they did when we were young. And it, yeah. yeah, Prince fixes it or said it properly to begin with. Yeah. I thought the runs in this, in Prince's version, uh-huh. were m- great. Sorely, sorely missed in Kenny Rogers' version. For sure. When he, like at one minute and 28 seconds, Prince has this falsetto part where he says, yo, he goes real high, you're uh-huh. my love. And the Kenny Rogers doesn't even try to get no. close to it or no. attempt to sing it that way. I think, what is special about Kenny Rogers' oh, version of this? It, it is lazy. like... Like there was a dot point at zero minutes and zero seconds, and then another point at four minutes or however long this god-awful song is. And they <laughs> drew a straight line between them and did nothing with it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, there was a lot of repetition at the end of Kenny Rogers' version, You're yeah. My Love. He says over and over, Prince breaks it up. He says, Stop your pretending. Yes. You're my love. I love you. says lots of different things. Yeah, the ad-libbing is more creative. Well, or yeah. it exists. <laughs> just didn't exist. <laughs> there was an attempt. <laughs> he was paying attention while he recorded it, whereas Kenny Rogers sounds like he's on cruise control. Oh, if my car's cruise control was that boring, I would get a different car. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm sorry, Kenny. I know you're listening. Yeah, yeah. But sure. you've got to admit. We'll give you kudos for recording a Prince song. This is not the kind of song that I'd walk around telling friends, hey, did you know that Prince wrote this song? And all they know is the Kenny Rogers version. Thank goodness this thing is out now. Original. Yeah. So you can at least hear... A young prince working on it. Right. And not a middle-aged Kenny Rogers ruining it. (laughs) Okay. Then we have another song that we have previously covered. Sheila E.'s Holly Rock from the 1985 Crush Groove soundtrack. We also covered this on the Around the World in a Day supplemental. Yep. Episode we also where we covered Manic Monday. Yes, yes. So, which is kind of cool that they're yep. both here together. Yeah, and I thought that Sheila E is just a pea in the pod with Prince. They've got great mm-hmm. vocals, and she can command that band. Yes, she um, is a band leader, like it, it very much in the same vein that he was. Yes, I love it. bothers me a little bit about Sheila's version is the way she says dance. It reminds me of Madonna moving to England and turning British. <laughs> it might be a dance. It might be a dance. It might be a song. <laughs> it might be a song. You know, where Prince says it, it might be a dance. It might be a dance. It might be a song. <laughs> it's almost he's two got, syllables. He's got, <laughs> <laughs> these little Midwestern accents yeah, coming out. Yeah, but yeah. both versions have uh, Eddie M on sax. Blow 
Sheila's band that ended up touring with the revolution as part of the Purple Rain tour and Prince calls him out in uh, those songs and you can get a sense that it's not Eric Leeds all these sax- saxophonists that uh-huh. Prince worked with had their own style so it's cool to hear that the, I don't know if we mentioned this on the previous episode but much of Holly Rock uses lyrics from the unreleased song Prince recorded for the family called Feline yes um, I think we did so talk about that in uh, our episode on the family. Cool. Yeah. I love that Prince teaches us how to say things in his version <laughs> a little more than Sheila does, where he says, there's a way to say it. Good God. <laughs> you know, the, he teaches us how to say good God. There's a way to say it. Good God. It's been criticized, I've read, to kind of just be this cluttered song. There's a lot of stuff going on in it, but you could say that for a lot of the songs that Prince recorded during this time. It fits right into the mold, and I think it's a flat-out jam. I love yeah. to listen to oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fun. super fun. It's obviously for Sheila E. He mm-hmm. says her name in it. Sheila E's my name. Holly Rock's my game. Yeah, even calls out at 5 minutes and 40 seconds, my toy box. My toy box. Yes. Which is another Sheila E. song. Yes, I had noticed that. Right. Which is super fun. That was from Romance 1600. Right. Which we've also previously covered. Um, I like that he says he's funkier than the Wicked Witch. Funkier than a Wicked Witch. Mm-hmm. Instead of batter, like Sheila E. says. Yes. Better than a Wicked Witch. Yes, and those yeah. lyrics show up on the Black Album, which we haven't covered yet on no. the song Dead On It. Okay. Better than the Wicked Witch. is something <laughs> that makes an appearance there, too. On Sheila's version... Princess Countin can be heard at the very beginning. Oh. It's not on his version at all. One, two, three, huh. Even though his version is almost two minutes longer than mm-hmm. we get on original. So I thought that was kind of neat. If you listen to the very beginning of Sheila's version, Prince is the one that counts it in. Very Jamie starish smirk that he signs off the song with where he says, Now try to dance to that. <laughs> Which is very funny. Yes. Now try to dance to that. Super fun. Mm-hmm. Then we have Baby You're a Trip from Jill Jones' 1987 self titled album. We have also previously covered this on our Vanity Six episode. The song was recorded in 1982, kind of the mm-hmm. 1999 era, so right. that's why we covered it in that yes. episode. Um, uh, we covered we covered Prince's version of it, right? Which right. is similar to this one, but not exactly the oh. same as what appears on originals. Yeah, on so originals we, we get obviously the best quality version we're going to get as far as sound wise. It still has a little hiss in the background of it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a better quality recording than what's been in circulation forever, and also like a minute and a half or more longer, right? Than Jill's version. I can't wait for us to get to Jill's album. Yeah. In 1987, I mentioned before that's one of my favorite um, Paisley Park albums. Um, and I think Jill is also a bit of an unsung hero in the Prince universe. And she's yes. getting a little more of her due now with piano and a microphone. She wrote some liner notes for it, mm-hmm. and a lot of her stories kind of came out. Um, and Prince clearly loved her voice, and she was there for so many historic recordings. And her background vocals are on Prince's version. On originals, right? Where on the previously circulating version, it was Prince singing his own background vocals. So again, this was like a red flag to 
purists saying, well, what did they do? They mixed the two or whatever it might be. But unless there's something in the liner notes that makes it clear that this is a mashup of Jill's work and Prince's work, who knows? Jill could have recorded background vocals with Prince. She did it all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We We can't know that for sure. Yeah. Man, her vocalizing is super cool. She does this. I, it's just, it's, I thought it was really good. I thought she did a really good job of following his vocal guide while also not just sounding like she's following a vocal guide. Oh yeah. She was her entire album, which I'm sure was a lot of vocal guide work. And she even covers a Prince song that was on one of his albums. But she was creative and had a great voice and made a lot of this, took ownership of it in a way that didn't detract from the fact that obviously Prince was involved, but she brought something creative of her own to each and every one of her recordings, which I thought was great. Yeah, and I'm really glad that he didn't, doesn't seem like he insisted that she do it exactly the same as he had done it. Yeah. That she he kind of gave her a little license. Mm-hmm. A lot of that might be just their history together. She was like his standard studio. If there was like a studio guitarist who Prince would call in to help with stuff, this was it in the 1980s. It was Jill Jones to come in and sing. Like she described herself in an interview as being able to mimic voices very well. Uh And a lot of other songs that other artists recorded that were Prince's version have her background vocals in it. And they think... They sing background vocals on the track, (laughs) and Jill can now say, actually, it wasn't them, it was me, and she was, uh, you know, sworn to secrecy. Uh And um, if you follow her on Twitter, she tells a lot of these stories, and they're pretty endearing Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. So the part that's most noticeable on originals that wasn't on the previously circulating bootleg studio version of Prince's is the very end where he sings over like a church organ yeah. at the very end and basically is like a refrain of the first chorus or the first verse, but he kind of runs it all together with, I know those people say, they say you don't know how to love. I know those people say, they say you don't know how to love. And then he ends it with a, hey! hey. Mm-hmm. And I had only ever heard jill's version of it yeah and if you listen to them next to one another and compare them they're both unique and great yeah on their own yeah it's very very neat absolutely agree all right we have another sheila e song her breakout single the glamorous life from the album the glamorous life from 1985 right or sometimes Sheila E. in The Glamorous Life. Yeah. You know, her albums were it, sort yeah. of positioned. Yeah, like she was playing a part St- in yeah. a movie or a play or something. Right. Yeah. Prince's version here is four minutes, 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. And on Sheila's album, it's nine minutes. Mm-hmm. It stretches out much, much more. Well, and I, I wonder if that was just to, again, give her a chance to shine. Uh-huh. On the drums. Yeah, because a lot of it is percussion. Yeah. I didn't know that the song was originally recorded on your birthday. Oh. In 1983. Nice. Now and everybody it, knows what my birthday is. If yeah. They didn't already know. Um, and it was intended for Apollonia 6 also, okay. which oh. I did not realize. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, well, I think he, it was a smart choice to give it to Sheila Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what Prince says in part of the song at the eight-second mark. Yeah. 
don't he you, speaks. Don't you something? Don't, yeah. Don't. I don't know what he said. I'm like, he speaks. What does he say? Can't make it out. <laughs> don't you get me. I'm like, I listen, I must have listened to that a hundred times yep. trying to figure out what he said. And I could not. And I'm like, maybe Josh knows. No, I just had it in it just to mention. And for you to put a little clip of it in here <laughs> for okay. this something that I feel like I should be able to make out. Yeah, cannot. but I can't. I love the whistling. Yeah, lots of whistling. And uh-huh. In Sheila's, there's just a lot more percussion in her version and is kind of a signature sound of hers that's been peppered on top of what's here. And you can also hear, like you mentioned earlier, if you listen to Sheila's version, you can hear these Prince lyrics behind her in numerous places throughout her version. Yeah. Which is fun to pick out and, and listen. I also thought on Prince's version... I went back and, am I just hearing this wrong or what is this? And I kept going back um, at the three minute, 12 second mark when he sings, love is forever and that's all your life. Love is heaven sent. It's glamorous. He really swallows the word forever. It's like, love is for, mm-hmm. it's all your life. Love is <laughs> and it's much more clearly enunciated on Sheila's Please. version. Maybe that's one of those things where he might have gone back and redid it if he ever intended this to be right. his own song. Yeah. And it just is kind of like a, I don't know, there's a little skip there in what you saying, man, or he just blended it with the word and forever yeah. and, and it came out kind of yeah, muffled. weird. That's all right. That's what makes it endearing. Oh, yeah. That's very cool. All right. Then we have another song from the time Gigolos Get Lonely 2 this time from 1982's What Time Is It Mm -hmm. we covered this whole album in March of 2019 as part of our 1999 Mm -hmm. album coverage yes I think I said it then I'll say it again this is a ballad that's not sappy it's just a nice smooth jam you heard this it was playing on the HomePod at Uh some point before we covered this album and you're like what is this song and you seem to like it without knowing what it was so it made me excited to get Mm -hmm. to this album because I didn't think you had heard the Times version and certainly none of us had heard Prince's version right until this came out right In my estimation, this is probably the track from Originals that is most closely identical to the released Associated Artist version. It's almost identically the same length. Yes. It is the same music. Yes. It's just Prince singing and not Morris Day. Right. Yeah. I kind of give advantage to Prince from about 2 minutes and 44 seconds to 3 minutes and 7 seconds. There's a little instrumental part where Prince sings along and does this vocalization part in his falsetto that Morris probably just stayed away from completely. Or maybe it was just he's saying that stuff to get the instrumentation down. Maybe so. But if I was Morris, I'd hear that and say, I can't. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to do that. the attitude of the whole song is totally Morris Day. I don't think Prince would ever call himself a gigolo on an album. That's very much the time and Morris Day kind of thing. Right. So I think since the attitude is totally Morris, I think 
the time owns the song and owns the ballad, but it couldn't have been done obviously without Prince's involvement. Right. That's so it's kind of a very, almost like a, the most mutual collaboration yes. uh, that you could imagine. And um, again, I think this song is another argument towards the more closely that Prince had control over the yep. band recording it, the more likely it is to be really close to the version that's on originals. Yes. So as the released version. Essentially, if you just want to take one song off of this collection and say, hey, I want to hear Prince's version and I want to hear the released version and just compare the two and hear Prince singing the song that I know. This is yeah. the one to, to yeah. go to. There's another lyric in the, or another spoken word in this song that I could not make out oh. either. Um, it's close to the end of Prince's version at like three minutes and six seconds where he again sums up previous verses with just once I want to love without taking off my clothes, just once I want to love her, someone who truly knows that I got more money than you could ever see. But honey, money won't get me up off of my knees. And at three minutes and 20 seconds, he says something in a deep voice that sounds like insurance. <laughs> oh, I and didn't notice that. I went back and listened to it numerous times to try to connect it with getting up off my knees or something about money. And I could not figure out okay. what, what he's saying. Well, if so you have an idea, do, do let us know on social media. Yep. Yep. Then we have Martika, Love Thy Will Be Done, from her 1991 album, Martika's Kitchen. Yeah. So this is the song that we supposedly have JZ himself to thank for its inclusion, because from a sonic and style standpoint, it's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum that You're My Love is. Yeah. Super early for this collection, and Love Thy Will Be Done kind of super late for this collection of songs. But I honestly could care less. I would have bought this collection for this song alone. This is one I was looking forward to because even though we've had Prince's version in circulation for a while, it's never been in great quality. And here we have it in the best quality that we're ever going to get. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I read somebody suggested that it was written around the time of the Love Sexy era, but I don't think that that's true because there's a story that he was looking through her journal and lyric book and that's where he got the inspiration for this so that Mm -hmm. i mean this is released in 91 love sexy was 88 it's that's kind of a long time in prince world yeah. For I mean, he may the, have had... Or the a, music could have been written and he rewrote it for her based on that. That's yeah. a possibility. Yeah, well, and the person that I saw that uh, suggested this said that it was the lyrics that made him think that it was from the Love Sexy era oh. with the love yeah. that will be done and it's sexual meets spiritual. the spiritual. Yeah. I yeah. think it's one of his most spiritual songs. Yeah. Um, like a personal prayer. Well, and that's what it was written as yeah. in her journal uh-huh. was it was a prayer that she had written. Right. And yeah, there's a lot of spiritual overtones. Love thy will be done. Guiding light. Guiding light. Mm-hmm. Your creations. Yes. And I see Glorious and divine. Glorious and divine. 
even the like peace the inside. Perfect complex is very yeah. biblical sounding, not mm-hmm. like normal uh, conversation words. I guess you could say. Yeah, I thought it was very overtly religious for a frequently played pop song, mm-hmm. especially from the early '90s. So yeah, that was kind of interesting. It's. Fun and touching and pretty. I like a lot about this song. I thought Martika followed his vocal guides really well. And I see all of your creations as one perfect complex. Especially the background vocals yeah. and how there's kind of a round yes. that's going on. Yes. And he does this humming mm-hmm. at like the two minute and ten second mark. Mm-hmm. I just it was so sweet. Yes. It's just sweet. I think this is so freaking good. Yeah. Um, it's really good. You know, if you ever have asked yourself what is a chorus of 15 to 20 princes singing to you sound like? Yeah. This is the song. It's a little like Forever in My Life from Sign of the oh, Times. It's yeah. so simple as a, just a, like a drum beat and the song really doesn't go anywhere. It's his vocals that take it all over the place. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Especially, I wanted to point out on his version from two minutes and 50 seconds through the three minute 10 mark, um, he sings, I couldn't be more satisfied. And then there's a chorus of princes singing, even when there's no peace outside my window, there's peace inside. And that's why I can no longer run. Love thy will be done. And then there's this repeating, alternating love thy will be done vocalization in the background before it just ends with a, oh, like this Mm -hmm. glorious thing happens and he keeps singing. added a little orchestral bit at the very yes. end. It kind of goes silent and comes back yes. up with this orchestral bit. Which is well That's, done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was absent from Prince's version. Yes. I think it was just um, a nice to add. Mm-hmm. I'll also point out, I know we, you don't usually do 32-second clips of music, but uh-huh. I don't even care in the song. From 3 minutes and 30 seconds to about 4 minutes and 2 seconds, we get the choir of princes singing the chorus again with hand claps that are added. And I just think it's certainly one of the prettiest moments on this album, maybe in Prince recorded history, oh, if you ask me. Very cool. I don't think I'll include all of it, okay. but there will be a clip. Cool. Yeah. If you look on streaming services, you can find Martika's version, and also there is a Prince Mix version of the single that Martika released which um, is basically Prince's remix of her version. Yes. And I had not listened to it in probably 20 years. And now that I listen to it again, it uses a slowed down beat from the Cream Maxi single. There's a song Uh-oh. called Do Your Dance, Casey's Remix. Do your dance. 
has a lot of the beat from that. And also some string parts are added to a longer instrumental part that leads into the, to the lyrics at the very beginning. Uh, the lyrics on his version, his remix, don't even start till about a minute and 40 seconds into the song. There are similarities between the Prince mix of Martika's version of his song and a <laughs> maxi single of one of his biggest hits. Wow, it's like Inception, but yeah. Martika's Kitchen. It gives you a sense of definitely the type of sounds that he was into at the time. And, um, you know, he did all kinds of exploration around once he found a song and a groove he liked. There's, you know, this mm-hmm. diameter radius of other things that he would experiment with until he would move on to other ideas. And all these songs overlap. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And then we have another Sheila E. song from 1985's Romance 1600, Dear Michelangelo, which we also covered on the Around the World in the Day related artists episode that we talked about already. Yes. So it was recorded, Prince's version was recorded during the Purple Rain tour. Yes. Which is amazing to me. He's on this full-scale tour of the United States, and he's in his spare time. He's recording more music and giving it away. Yep, because that's what he did. There's some solid guitar work. Sheila's drumming is great. Yes. I know what you're thinking, and we'll get to your thoughts. Okay. And the eyes that are in the back of your head. I love that Prince's version starts with the Purple Rain sounding guitar solo with saxophone on top of it. Uh Uh-huh. I thought that it also sounds a little like Temptation, which was another one of your not favorite songs from around the world in a day, but it has that kind of sound to it. And hearing Prince sing this makes me think that Prince is singing about himself. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, this perfect sexual angel. Yeah. Um, and he's <laughs> I'll, ma- I'll make love to no one unless he's of your persuasion. Right. Yeah. Yes, because it's not really Michelangelo that he's singing about. Correct. Yeah. But he's a, the but Michelangelo of present day of music. Yeah. You also need, you owe it to yourself to go back and listen to Prince's version of the song Possessed that's on Purple Rain Deluxe. Okay. The instrumentation on Possessed, which was sort of a surprise to a lot of collectors who had heard Possessed in many different versions, the one on Purple Rain Deluxe is almost like a sister to Dear Michelangelo. Okay. It sounds very, very similar to the song. Especially the drums. Yep. I know you'll love that. Um, Also, before you get to your opinion on Dear Michelangelo, the guitar solo at about two minutes and 24 seconds after Prince says, Don't Die Without Love. Is reused. It's a re-recording, but it's reused on the maxi single for Scandalous. There's a suite of songs. And there's one that's named The Rapture, and it is almost like just a guitar solo 
length and it reuses and builds on a lot of the basics that you find in Dear Michelangelo. Your opinion on this song, Christy? <laughs> it's a little sing-songy for me. It's not my favorite. Sheila Ease has some jazzy horns. I don't... Just play the right notes. I feel like Angela in the office. Just play the right oh. note. I mean, just play the right notes! Yeah, it does go into it a don't... weird, purposeful, off-key, or, I don't know, minor key yeah. kind of sounding. But that like kind of it. weird cacophony was part of the stuff that... Prince was playing around with at yeah. the time, uh, and it's definitely manifests itself in in this song. Yeah, I I mean I don't. Know. I mistakenly thought that you would have a lot of affinity for In Romance sixteen hundred because it does sound like a very girlish, over dramatic kind of thing. Okay, do not I that, seem like that, that kind not of girl that to you? You like <laughs> drama, but you in real life, but you certainly like teen dramas. <laughs> I do. And, <laughs> like uh, Gil- like, this is like Gilmore Girls by Prince. Well, if you it's more ask like me. Uh, Pretty Little Liars, but yeah, okay, you see where I'm going. Yeah, the type of I thought the type of shows you watch <laughs> when I'm not around because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not watching them are similar in I don't know theme and landscape to mm. this kind of approach to songwriting. Okay. That's fair. I can see where you would, but it's okay to, to that. like I'm... one and not like the other. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your yeah, permission to right. like one and not the other. Sure. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on? Please. Okay. Wouldn't you love to love me? Taja Seville. Seville? Seville. Seville. Yep. Uh, from her 1987 self-titled album. Yes. It was written before Prince ever had a record deal. Right. Uh, he felt a little bit bad about refusing to sing bad with Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And so as a consolation, a peace offering, the song was offered to Michael Jackson. Evidently, he didn't accept it. Right. Not yeah. this particular version. Prince had re-recorded it again in 1986, which you can hear basically his instrumentation. The music for it is on Taja's version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the version of the song on originals is from the 1999 era, like it was okay. worked on in 1982. Okay. So, yes, it was... Uh, when I, I knew that that was the case, but then when I saw it, reading it again... I look at the cover of Originals, and I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a ripoff of Michael Jackson's bad uh, Okay, album cover. see, I saw that also suggested, but the picture that's used on the cover mm-hmm. predates bad. Sure, it does. And the way that his name is written also predates bad. It was spray-painted on a drum. Uh-huh. And so for a lot of these songs, having been in, written and recorded by Prince at least once, even if that's not the version that we get here, they predated that album. So, okay, maybe a little bit, but both of those images predate Michael Jackson's Bad. Both of the images do, but I'm telling you, if you look up Michael Jackson's bad album cover and compare it to originals, 
And I'm surprised there's not a little bit more of an outrage over that than there is over, oh, they mixed Jill Jones' vocals in with Prince's version to complete the song. What looks more, I don't know, suspicious to me is the album cover compared to Bad. I like the elements of the album cover, but I think the composition of it is a little suspicious. Okay. I I don't have a problem with it. Okay. There's only like 300 stories or something that humans tell sure everything else is a yeah everything's derivative of something else so it doesn't bother me that much anyway back to tasha Seville's sure song um i think it sounds her version sounds like prince right from the start with the music and the ooze and Mm -hmm. It sounds a lot like Good Love, which we oh. haven't quite covered yet. Okay. We've talked about it a little bit, but there's right. a Prince song called Good Love that was on the Bright Lights Big City soundtrack and also on Crystal Ball. This has that kind of Camille sound to it. Right. Sounds like he could have sung it as a song for the album Camille that was aborted that had Prince singing in an altered high voice as a woman. Right. I thought Taja's version sounded... Dated, Not in a bad way as Kenny Rogers' You're My Love sounds dated, but you hear Taja Seville's song and you're like, oh, that's from the late 80s, guaranteed. I absolutely agree. Where Prince's version... It's a little... It's, it's a more, more timeless. like universal, yes. Yeah. The sound quality on it has been pointed out as the worst on the album. Oh, um, I kind of liked that. I found that really charming because it kind of sounds like he's... Playing it in an empty concert venue. Yes, it does. That's what it sounds like to me. So it's like this is a song that the band knew they were just using this to warm up and practice. Yeah, it is very hollow sound. That's very. I like that a lot. Mm, No, I'm not saying it bothered me. I'm just saying it does have like the like everything has a reverb on it. There is an echo to every part of the song. Yes. Um, which doesn't just, sound like a professional recording space. Right, right. It sounds like a home recording, which it likely could have been. Yes. Yeah, there's a 1978 version uh, and earlier by Prince that's just like almost sounds like a the, like you hit a button on a Casio keyboard and you get a beat. <laughs> yeah. And he played keyboards on top of it and sung it in a falsetto. Uh, this one is a little more fleshed out, and um, particularly the vocal doo-doo-doos. Right. And the high notes that he hits, like between 2 minutes and 2 minutes and 17 seconds, where it's just this explosion of, he's not singing anything, but just vocalizing. Yeah. Which is almost the entire last half of the song. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. There's some uh, clever writing with the, there's like a crash, burn, fire bit mm-hmm. in Taja's version uh, that I liked a lot. And that was. Absent from hmm. Prince's version. Okay. That whole section. But then we have Prince had some additional lyrics. Yes. I'm not really that hard to get. I yeah. really want to make you see. Baby, I'm not ready yet. 
which I thought sounded like makeup. Uh-huh. And then some words I don't understand come with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there are different lyrics in Prince's yeah. version for sure. Also, at 4 minutes and 18 seconds, he... He sings in the background, I want to hear you naughty mothers singing. <laughs> it's the doo-doo-doos that he uh-huh. wants. To, it's not even that naughty. It's not a naughty song no. at all. Uh-huh. You know, it might be a little too too much for Michael Jackson <laughs> to have handled. Um, but I thought that was kind of funny that, you know, I want to hear you naughty mothers singing. <laughs> and this is one of the poppiest songs that... Prince recorded in this era. Yeah, for sure. He's got a really fun way of saying sugar. Like a minute 47. Yes. I liked that. And then yeah. some really nice screams at yeah, 3 all through 04. The song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think this could have been a song that could have easily been on and could have been a strong one on his debut album, For You. Yes. And the, his early demo of the song, you know, if you find that and listen to it, it, it sounds even more like, wow, this could have been a B-side off of For You. Uh-huh. Or a song off of it, <laughs> but didn't even make the cut. Hmm. He made choices. He did. Yep. Then we have the final song on the album, Nothing Compares to You, from the family's 1985 self-titled album, but it was famously covered by Sinead O'Connor in 1990 on her album, I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. Right. And we have also covered this on our Around the World in the Day Related Artist episode. Mm-hmm. So The family's version. Yes, right? the family's version, which yeah. is all we're going to talk about. The And as well as Prince's. We're not going to talk about Sinead O'Connor's version because hers was really just a cover. Yep. It wasn't, Prince didn't, didn't have, have anything to do with it other than the fact that he gave it to the family. And I guess got Sinead O'Connor got permission to cover it. Yeah, evidently they didn't get along, though, once no, they met. No, if you ask Sinead her opinion on Prince, it is probably the lowest opinion of a person, <laughs> of him, from a female perspective that you'll uh, find anywhere. Yeah. That's probably clashing of personalities. Uh, I would think so, yeah. yes. I think this song could have been such a big hit for the family with just a little bit of promotion. I wish that there had been a little more of it. Yeah. Just seeing how it blew up for Sinead O'Connor. Yes. And part of that was her video, which was striking. Yeah, it was just so totally simple. It's like her floating head on a black background, basically. I just think it was a white background, but yes. Pretty sure it was black, but we can wager on that one. I think she was wearing a black outfit, and it was a white background. Hmm. Okay. But doesn't matter. The orchestral arrangements in the family's version by Claire Fisher were beautiful. Eric Leeds' sax is consistently excellent. Right. Yeah. And we should mention this is the one song on originals that wasn't previously officially released. It, it was released as a single in April of 2018 on the second anniversary of Prince's passing. Um, so this had been around before. Right. Uh, definitely fits 
on an album or a collection like this. I'm glad it has a home somewhere. Yes, me too. And it's a great closing closing track. Um, right, and the it's absent the Fisher Orchestra right editions. Yeah, it's surprisingly similar to the strong drums and guitars from Diamonds and Pearls. Oh. That's what nothing his version of Nothing Compares oh, to You yeah. feels like. It was cut from the same cloth as Diamonds and Pearls, and that may be purposeful. Yeah, uh, because he did start performing Nothing Compares to You a lot in the early '90s. Um, so that might have just been he went back and you know revisited his version once Sinead O'Connor covered it, and you know wanted to take a little bit of credit for it. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. it blew up, and he wanted to everybody to know. Yes. This was his song. I think you mentioned Eric Leeds' saxophone on this. If you listen to it from four minutes to four minutes and five seconds, there's a little Prince Uhu part that happens beneath the saxophone that's uh-huh. happening. That's kind of a special little moment that you find when you listen to a song, you know, 50 times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then the, there's some phrasing in Prince's version that uh, uh-huh. is different from Sinead O'Connor or the family. Right. I know that living with me, baby, they both say, was sometimes hard. Yes. I know that living with the baby was sometimes hard. And he says, I know that living with me, baby, was some kind of hard. And I much prefer that particular phrasing. Oh, you like some kind of hard? It was some kind of hard. Oh, even Prince changed it later when he performed this, and it was always was sometimes hard. He performed it on Ellen. Yeah. I think it was Ellen. And throughout the, you know, 2000s, he performed this song, and it was always sometimes hard. Mm. So I prefer that way. You're a some kind of person? I like some kind of. I'm a sometimes person. Mm. Mm. Other times, I'm not a person at all. (laughs) You're always a person, baby. All right. Now we've reached the point, finally, where we make some selections. My dumb rules. Yeah, they're going to really suck for this album. (laughs) So we choose three things every episode. A time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was released or when it was recorded, the choices up to the host making the selection right for the material that we've chosen to cover that episode we choose to see not that it's bad just something that we didn't care for no it can be bad though it can be but it doesn't have to be if it's your favorite thing we don't want to call it bad we just say that we don't agree with you because we're big on letting people like things Oh, yeah. Here, if you like it, that's fine. We don't have to all like the same things because that's boring. No, but if I think it's bad, I'm going to say it's bad. That's fine. And I'm and, about to say it's bad. Okay, well, we'll get there in a second. And we also choose a mountain, the high point, the thing that we like the most from whatever material we're covering, in this case, Prince Originals. So, yes. the time capsules, since they're my dem rules, I pick them. This is the one I that start. is a uh, real challenge here, is to pick a time capsule from a collection of songs recorded 30 years ago. Yes. That's tough. Yes. Um, it wasn't actually that tough for me. Okay. Because 
I chose Manic Monday because uh-huh. I can specifically remember having it be the first album that I purchased for myself, mm-hmm. pouring over the liner notes and wondering who the heck Christopher was. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea because I was like 10. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know who Christopher was, and I was really curious about that. So to me, that is the time capsule. All right. I do remember that time also, uh, but I remember Casey Kasem revealing on the Top 40 Countdown that Manic Monday was a Prince song. Oh. Kiss is a Prince song, and he had whatever, if that was a record for someone to hold the number one and number two spots as a songwriter. Right. I don't remember what the thing was, but that's how I found out I did not have the Bengals album, but chased it down after I heard that. Mm-hmm. I cool. remember very well. So good time capsule call. Mine is just simple. Um, the entire thing is a time capsule by design, so it is tough for me, but I'm going to go with the Prince's version of the most recognizable song on the album, and I think that's nothing compares to you. Fair. Um, it deserves more than the individual single release that it got in 2018, and I'm glad it has a home as the final track here. Yes. So that's my time capsule. Super cool. All right, the C. Dear Michelangelo was just a little too sing-songy for me. I didn't like it when we covered in Romance 1600. I don't care for it now. All right. It's just, if it's your favorite song, I'm so glad. And you can listen to it for me, because I don't want to listen to it anymore. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if this is cheating, but... (laughs) What are you going to do? Kick me off the podcast? (laughs) What am I going to do? Take your birthday away? Kenny Rogers version of You're My Love. It's not even in this collection, but it is (laughs) so so bad. bad, I don't even care. (laughs) It's the worst thing I've listened to in preparation for this episode. Maybe any episode we've done this far. This might be my C for the mountains and the sea. Okay. It's so bad. Okay. It is so bad. Yeah. It's not good. It's real bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can call something that Prince didn't record bad. That's that's fine. Okay. Well, I'm glad to have your permission for that. <laughs> All right. So, The Mountain. It was so tough for me to choose. Yeah? Yeah. Because I love that Nothing Compares to You. Really one of the most recognizable songs that Prince ever gave away has a home. Mm-hmm. But I'd heard it before. Sure. It had been it had been released as a single, and so I decided I wanted to pick something quote unquote new. Okay, new to you at least. New to me, yeah. something that I hadn't heard before. Okay, that Prince did, and that was Prince's version of "Wouldn't You Love to Love Me." Oh, really? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I am surprised. Really? Well, I mean, I think that's a little sing song, and it's very. Uh, it doesn't go in a lot of different directions. The music does not change much throughout no, the entire but thing. I thought you would have found it repetitive. Good, mm, but maybe too long even. I Well, I thought that there was... I really liked the live feel of the performance. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really neat. He's got some interesting things that he does that are sound kind of early for him doing them. Mm-hmm. With the screaming, which I love a good print scream. Right. You know, that's something that I really enjoy. Enjoyed and I really liked it. And I hadn't really heard Taja's version of it either. Yeah. It wasn't a song that 
was in my oh sure repertoire. Oh, it's very on the outer fringe of the Prince universe and on the outer 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 fringe of the '80s music scene for sure. I don't disagree with you. I love the song. It. I do wish that it was a little bit uh, more Finnish sounding. I guess you could say because, mm. like we said, it sounds like it was a home studio recording, and that it's was like the he charm was to me. Singing into the Grand Canyon. I didn't care. That was the charm to me. Okay. It feels like a sanctioned bootleg. Maybe Fair that's enough. why I like it so much. That that should be a thing, first of all. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what we've got in this collection. It's just it's noticeable. Yeah. As a different kind of sonic recording. Fair. I guess. My mountain, if you couldn't tell from me talking about it, is Love Thy Will Be Done. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Prince songs. It is simple, and the way he sings it, it just amazes me that one guy would write the song, play all the instruments, and then figure out the vocalizations of even the words that he wrote in the way that he sung them. Yeah. And then bury them and give them to Martika. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, and he, it wasn't something that he performed live often. He sometimes did, but it was rare. So it was something that he definitely gave, gave away and almost let it go. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad we got the chance to talk about this quote unquote new release. We got to hear some things that we hadn't heard before. And if we're able to get our hands on physical copy and check out that additional nothing compares to you version Um, i'm gonna drop that in right here all right so we were able to get our hands our hot little steamy hands it is texas and the heat index is 108 (laughs) we made it to target (laughs) we did they had lots of copies right you went i I didn't get to go but no there's uh plenty out there yeah, so that's great. So we do have the holder to look at. The it's not really a case. It's a cardboard. It, the packaging. It's a cardboard sleeve. It's a cardboard sleeve. It's packaging. We have that to look at, and yep. we also were able to listen to the "Nothing Compares to You" cinematic mix. So real quick, we're going to go ahead and talk about the packaging. I think it's really nice for a, just a cardboard. Well, if you're talking about going into a store like Target and buying a CD for $11.99, it is as much as you would expect. Yeah. That's for sure. And you get a bonus track that's not available on streaming. So if you have a Target near you or can order online, I don't know why you would order from anywhere else. Yeah, because it's got the extra track on it. So, I mean, that's really what you want. Yeah. So the part that surprised me about the cover is the word originals is not printed on the cover. It's not. Well, the spray painted prints. Yeah. It's It's on the spine, but it's not on the cover with his picture. And it's just his name and his picture on the cover of an album called originals. Yeah. That was my surprise moment. Okay. If there was one, Uh, but simple and nicely done. The inside of the cardboard sleeve has artwork from the albums on which the cover versions, I guess you could say, yeah. of these songs appeared. <laughs> the, uh, the, original the original official <laughs> release of right. each one of these. I noticed, I was looking, that's why I went and got my glasses to look at it, because mm-hmm. there's writing on there, but it's all very, very tiny. It's like covers or single artwork yeah. and 45 records all over. It looks like it's only Paisley Park artists. 
Yes. Yeah. It's there's, there's not. No, like, you didn't find the Bengals in here. No, anywhere. no Bengals. You would know. No Kenny Rogers. Yeah. None of that. That makes sense, as mm-hmm. they own the artwork, and they can. I mean, although Apollonia Six was long before Paisley Park Records was a thing, but well, it's yeah. a conjunction release with uh, between the estate and Warner Brothers. So I'm sure that made it easy to include artwork from these albums. Right. And um, the inside's really nice and colorful. Yeah, it looks to me like someone actually laid these things out on a floor, perhaps, and oh. actually shot them. Oh, really? I thought so. Oh. Um, I thought it looked uh, pieced together, pieced but together. really well. collage Yeah, collage, but very nicely done. Mm-hmm. You said the cover looked like bad. I still say I think it looks a little too much like bad for my liking. Yeah. Um, I didn't find the, it to be particularly derivative, but that's fine. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of using this era photo. This is like a Dirty Mind era photo of Prince 1981, which predates most of the music on this collection. So that's a little bit of a disconnect for me, but, you know, it's a picture on the front. He had such good hair for so many sections of his career, and they had to choose one of the worst ones. (laughs) It makes me a little sad. It was good at the time. It's not good now. Right. So yeah, I'm with you. I think I thought there was better photography that they could have used. Right. And the disc itself is just a white disc with Prince mm-hmm. originals on it, the same stylization of his name that's on the front cover. And there's no picture of him, but it does have the complete track listing. Yes, which comes in real handy when you're playing <laughs> when it's already in a <laughs> place you can play it right your car stereo that's probably the only place you have a not me cd anymore well yeah that's true um it's got the same picture on the booklet that's on the inside of the packaging but it's purple and black it's a a duotone yeah with uh credits on it it's nice yeah some thanks yep and it did give us where it was recorded and when originally, who the recording engineers were, if there was additional background singers, instrumentalists, or writers, yeah, all of that credited. information, and who recorded it for release back when it was first officially released, the artist that he wrote it for that ended up recording it and releasing it, if they placed on the chart anywhere. So, like... Mm-hmm. You know, Sex Shooter was 32 on the U.S. Dance and 85 on the Hot 100. Right. Yeah. I think what's missing from the liner notes and what you hear a lot of diehard Prince fans complaining about is there's no indication here of where Prince's version was sourced from or if there was any Mm -hmm. work done to it at all to get it in the form that we have on this disc. So there are question marks there as to, was this the version that Prince recorded his definitive version or were there multi-tracks found and background vocals added from artists who sang with him at the time or how was that done? So some of that is still... A mystery. Right. Um, maybe uh, Nico Bolas or Bernie Grundman could help us with yeah. that. Bernie wish- mastered the disc, and uh-huh. he's one of those guys that I don't know ever met Prince. He's a okay. longtime um, masterer of Prince recordings. Okay. Not someone who would have been at the recording session to know. Okay. Um, so he would be a master. He wouldn't have known where the source material came from. Well, but, but he he might know. He took 
two or three performances and pieced them together, or he took Prince's performance of vocals from one, his performance of music from another, background singers from somewhere else. He might know that, or that might be Nico Bolas who mixed the whole thing except for Nothing Compares to You and Love They Will Be Done. Right. So, I don't know. I'm hopeful maybe some of these people listed in the credits and thanks will maybe have some more information for us. But maybe not. Don't know. We don't know. But it's interesting. For $12, I don't know why you wouldn't go and buy it. Yes, I don't see that that's an issue. It's uh, and I also found out today that uh, the Prince Estate put the entire collection of these songs on their YouTube channel. Yep. So you don't have to pay a thing to listen to this. Um, so any complaints about, oh, well, it's unclear if this is authentic or if this is really Prince's wishes, you can go listen to it for free and decide for yourself and not pay a penny. Yeah, it's not a big deal. All right, so the real reason that we wanted to add a little bit in, we wanted to talk about the packaging, but we also wanted to talk about the additional track that was on the Target release, Nothing Compares to You Cinematic Mix. Right, also available on the Japanese issue of the CD, so you get it in the U.S. as an import if Target's not an option for you, and if you live elsewhere, then... See if Target will ship it to you or see if you can get your hands on the Japanese edition of, of this album. I'm still unclear why it's called Cinematic Mix. I've never heard a remix of a song called Cinematic before. Hmm. And maybe it's because of the fact that Claire Fisher's strings and orchestration are more prominent in this. And so it has a very movie soundtrack kind of feel to it. Yes, That's my guess, because the orchestration does give it very much a movie feel. Right. Um, So this version, the cinematic mix, is 4 minutes and 24 seconds. If you compare it to Prince's original version, also Mm -hmm. on this disc, is track 15, it's 4 minutes and 40 seconds. So it's about 16 seconds shorter. Yeah. I guess you could sum it up as it's kind of like... Prince's version of the family style of recording for the first verse and then a slightly different mix of the song through the end. Yeah. From the first chorus to the very finish line, I guess. Yeah. Well, it starts out all acapella, just Mm -hmm. Prince's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vocals here. It's been seven hours and 13 days. And then this lovely a cello or maybe even a yeah. double bass. It's very, very deep string. brooding kind of sound to it. Yeah. Oh. And it kind of plays the role of background vocals for him. The yes. oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh is done with the strings. Yeah. It's a very mournful and haunting quality yeah. to it. And it just, it's fit so well with the song. I really, I loved this. I thought it was beautiful. I did too. I think that, um, you know, it's unfortunate. We don't know where it came from or how it was made, if it was found this way. But in the end, if it's newly made or a new mix, people will cry foul. If it's discovered that it was a version that Prince was playing with at one time, then it'll be like a holy grail. Yeah. So it's almost a silly argument. We have it. It's, it's here. It's beautiful. It's unfortunate we don't have the full story. Maybe we'll get that sometime. But the yes, the first 
whatever. Minute and 15 seconds is pretty stunning before. And it's a great song afterwards, but that's the part that's the newest yes. take on the song is the first verse and how mournful it sounds. It does very much sound like Prince's version of how St. Paul sang it on the family album, only it's Prince. Right. Which is a different ball game. Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. You know sure. what else it sounded like to me? It sounded like it was something that they could play, even with Prince's voice and the orchestra for you tour yes. that's going on, that this is something that they could play and even have Prince's vocals on top of it and be really powerful. Yes. Sounds like there's a lot of background singers and a lot of them are obviously Prince. Yes. Damn it, There's Prince doing his own backup singing. He is like the best at his own backup. He really is. How he does that is beyond me. (laughs) How do you sing your own backup? As a kid, I remember asking my mom that. Like, how? I hear him singing in the background and he's singing there. How does he do that? He's a ventriloquist. Yes, he's a studio (laughs) ventriloquist. But you're right. It does sound like he's got a chorus of people behind him. A lot of Mm -hmm. times it sounds like Prince, but you were going to say. Uh, Yes, I did. Since we had the liner notes that we were able to refer to, uh, Susanna Melvin. Yes, Wendy's sister. Wendy's twin sister, Mm -hmm. who was in the family Mm -hmm. and a girlfriend of Prince's at one point, is credited Mm-hmm. On the back. Yes. And I think that she sounds more prominent on this version than the track 15 version. Also, Agreed. She's on both. Right. I'm credited on both, but it sounds like she's a little more featured. Yeah. In this version. Yeah. It's been so lonely without you So one of the things I really liked about the whole acapella, just his voice bit was like at 37, 38, there's this little grunt at the end of, I can do whatever I want. Do whatever I want. And I think that if there was music there, you would have really missed it. Mm. But there, it's just very touching. Cool. Yeah. I had a moment like that that I heard, and then I went back and listened to the track 15 version. It's about like at um, three minutes and five seconds when he sings All the Flowers That You Planted, Mama. Mm-hmm. And there's like this little, mmm. All the flowers that you planted, Mama. Oh. Or hum or little okay. vocal thing. And I didn't notice it really in the track 15 version that I'll just keep referring it referring to it as. But it was just a nice little vocal moment that I discovered on this version. You know, trying to listen to it carefully to tell the differences, the obvious ones and the ones that are a little more, um, you know, hard to pick up on. Mm-hmm. There's a place where Prince's background vocals lead in to the mm. main vocals and it's just really really nice where, where very very pretty just an expert way of handling mm-hmm. that that's so impressive i mean we all know he was a genius but sometimes you get a little reminder oh he was a, like really really a genius yes 
just yeah. with decisions on how to deliver lines and you know the personality and emotion he brought to everything he's saying. This mm-hmm. is a good example of it. I was going to mention too at like three minutes and forty three seconds, close to the end of the song, where there's a second sax solo and Prince sings this little ooh hoo in the background. The saxophone is a little more buried in the mix, and there's orchestration behind it that's a little more prominent in this version that I think actually even sounds a little better mm-hmm. um, than the track 15 version. Okay. There's, I don't know, maybe it's just because I listen to the track 15 version so much, and this is still new, but there's a part of me that wants to say I prefer this version yeah. over... The track 15 version. Oh, okay. That's fair. You mentioned that sax part right there at the end. And when that starts, every single time, I think it's a voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. Every single time, I think it's like an ah kind of voice. Uh And... And it's a saxophone. And it's a saxophone. Well, I have read, I'm not a musician, nor am I a music scholar, but everything I've read, you know, makes it clear that the saxophone is the instrument that's most like the human voice. And I think that's how you can tell, if you listen to a lot of Prince's music, you can tell this is Eric Leeds, this is Candy Dolfer, this right. is Maceo Parker, this is Eddie M. They all have a unique sound that's probably very much attributed to their own voice and how, you know, obviously how they play their instrument. I thought the whole sax solo, and it's no different in this version than the track 15 version, but it still seems like a, a climactic triumph sure. to this, like as a swan song, especially paired with the video that came out with it. You know, it makes you want to well up, and it seems like it's this culmination of everything that Prince did in his career, even though this whole song was recorded long before he even reached the peak of his popularity, and that's kind of a neat dynamic for me, too. Yeah. He still says it's some kind of hard. Yeah. I know that living with the baby was some kind of hard. Some kind of hard, I yeah. think. Yeah, not yeah. sometimes hard to live yes. with him. Yeah. It's some kind of hard to live with him. You still like that I better. do. All right. I do like it. And then it ends with some little clingy bells and mm-hmm. stuff that are kind of interesting and Yes. I, I enjoyed that. Cool, yeah. I found the ending to be very similar to the track 15 version. The kind of symbols and what's going on with the drums at the very end as the song comes to an end. Yep. Definitely worth the $12 to run out to Target. Pick this up. Yep, absolutely. Next time, we will have Exodus for you, which I know you were expecting today. Next time will be Exodus. So, and don't forget, you have until Wednesday, June 26th to send me your recommendations, suggestions, requests for Josh to guess in the one second challenge. So we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.